Hi, and welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, the podcast where each week uh, the two of us, Angie and Teresa, join forces and tell each other the stories that we have compulsively learned. Last week, I info dumped on poor Angie and told her all about the honey war and took up all of the airtime. I enjoyed every minute of it. Now Angie is back. She's here to tell me whatever, whatever I didn't let her say last time. I don't know. I loved the Honey War story. So, but for the friend, for the friends playing at home, when she said her name just then, I need you to know that the face she made was with a question mark. Like, is our names Angie and Teresa? You'll never know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not Doris Payne. I don't have eleven different social security numbers, nine dates of birth, or multiple passports. So, or do I? We don't know. Live your best life, Teresa Doris you know- Payne. I was doing something. I think it was like a background check for an employment thing at one point. And I realized like, as it kicked back the report that I sounded more nefarious or more adventurous than I feel like I am. Cause it was like, AKA married yes. name, AKA. And I was like, and like every variation with middle name, without middle name. And I was like, this yes. really makes it sound like I am a part of a nefarious enterprise. Yeah, every time. Okay, so every time I have to fill out a background report, I'm like, it asks me for my other name. Will they accept just the simple answer of I've had another name before because I was formerly unmarried? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I hope they just accept my response of being gotten married as as a legal response. And thus far, through the multiple background checks I've had, it's been accepted. So. But have you tried anything else? Like, because I got married, okay. Um, How about because I joined witness protection? Uh, uh, No, I almost did. But no, because typically when I'm filling out this background check form, it's because I want the job or I want to keep the job. Fair, fair. Right. But when I did come back to my current side gig, (laughs) um, I asked if I could put in whatever I wanted to on the application. And my boss was like, um... Please don't. We have general counsel. I'm literally begging you not to. (laughs) (laughs) If anything happens, we'll have to dig up this paperwork and side-eye you the entire time. No, you can't fill it out in neon pink, Angie. It's a legal document. (laughs) Okay, fine. So, yeah. You know, I fail to understand how the patriarchy requires us to use blue. I don't... You know, okay, so I guess it could be a patriarchy thing, but honestly, I just think it was some really stuffy lawyer back in the day that only liked blue. So that became the accepted, and now it's the, like, the rule. Because, like, I've got a lot of purple pins. Right! i got a lot of pink pins. My notes are in blue today, though, but they're not normal blue. They're this blue. I don't know what this blue means. Oh, yeah! You know what's funny is I have a blue... (gasps) Another sky blue pen. That's hilarious because yours is a friction pin. Yeah, of course. Mine is a, um, I don't know what the brand is, but I can't get like other colors here in Sonora of the friction pins other than the ones that have the caps. You just ordered them on Amazon. I I honestly, like I got the one pack of all the colors, right? And then I just ordered the refills. Yeah, which I probably should have done because this is my second order of these pins because the day that I typed in erasable pins on Amazon, this came up with all the colors I wanted. So I was like, oh, I'll just go with that. But then like weeks and weeks later when, you know, I'd used all the ink in that one pin, I was like, oh, I can't refill these ones. 
I just have That's a drawer of refills at this point. I look compulsive. Office supplies are love. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> if you want to show your loved one Valentine yes. or Valentine's Day love, nothing says I love you like post-it notes. For me, yes. Index cards. Yes. Scotch tape. Nope. Legal pads. I didn't get you on legal pads. That's where I lost you. I said notebooks. I whispered it very seductively. (laughs) This will be the only time you hear the word notebook whispered seductively. Ever in the history of the world. I I said it. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, guys. And only. It's never going to be said again. (laughs) I mean, you say that, but the, the internet has taught me anything. It's going to be that there is something out there for everyone and you didn't think of it first. That's true, and I'm going to retell it to Ian when he gets home anyway. Okay. So I just totally lied to all of you. (laughs) Ah, Sorry, guys. Do you want to hear my story? I would love to. Okay. Um, So, from my bag of military blunders, I give you the battle of Kransby's. And you honestly have... Kransby's? Kransby's. Is it a place or is it a beehive? It's a place. Okay. And I will get there just shortly. Um, first of all, I just can we rewind and let me tell you that uh, one of the reasons I absolutely love doing this podcast for you is because now I have a um, outlet for all the info I just learned <laughs> that I have to share with someone else. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So speaking of the other day, I was stuck at the doctor's office and they were running behind. And Hubs and I were texting back and forth and he's like, just pull a Gramps. Cause my grandfather would, would have gone like, not Karen, but Karen, um, in a way that I believe only the in, name is Chad. Okay. But in, yeah. in only a way that a, an older man can. Right. And I was like, ah, you know, I, his approach is great, but I think I might go up to the receptionist and go, if I don't get seen in the next five minutes, I'm going to info dump everything I know on the honey war. <laughs> As I should. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. I, good. So we, we have a place to put our obsessions mm-hmm. <laughs> outside of just our poor husbands who already have to hear the whole story. Yep. <laughs> so thanks for that. Um, that being said, my sources are real sketchy at best <laughs> <laughs> um, because... The original account of this event did not actually get written down, like, for uh, historical posterity for 40 years. Okay. Um, There are those that believe it never happened, and those that believe it wasn't written down for 40 years simply because Emperor Joseph II was just so embarrassed at the outcome that he refused to allow it to be put in the, like, official record. And so there was no diary entry of like, O-M-G. Okay, so not in the official record, but I have to believe that at least the soldiers were that were involved had some type of like maybe journal entry. Um, or the, uh, the other side to that is the, um, I wasn't able to find any Ottoman sources. So okay. I know I know that they they exist and I know that 
they probably it was probably such a minor incident to them that it wasn't even worth like nothing happened for them so it wasn't even worth mentioning this is kind of like when we declared our independence and king george was just like just another day yes very much like that so my sources are dailysabah.com worldatlas.com britannica.com the dictionary <laughs> and oh we couple... dug deep if oh, you're like citing deep. the dictionary <laughs> miriam webster has to say this on conflict uh well i had to look it up because i needed to have a further like a deeper understanding of one of the groups involved and i felt like the dictionary would give me a base to work with is this like the huguenot argonaut debate we got into no (laughs) (laughs) no it's not no it's it's this one is much more straightforward (laughs) (laughs) so hmm And like I said, the first mention of this was, the first account of this was at least 40 years after the event. So, to rewind, at least 200 years before the event, the Austrians and the Ottomans have been going back and forth in no less than eight separate wars over territory between Austria and the Ottoman Empire. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, in... 16 i'm gonna get you the right date so i'm gonna make sure i get you the right date in 1683 during the siege of vienna the austrians were able to push the ottomans out of vienna and away from like the austrian hungarian like capital cities basically like so it's considered a big win for them and when they did that it led to a coalition of European powers referring to themselves as, are you ready for this? The Holy League. I mean, I understand like all of that, but boy, that sounds really highfalutin. Doesn't it? And I feel like it's just a like mean girls, like it's a more highfalutin version of the mean girls. (laughs) Like, you know, especially I was just gonna say, especially if you think of it like, like the Ottoman Empire, like they have the the orthodox church right like you have like it's just a a complete like dig at like hey again we're showing our separateness right and in doing so in in collating all these powers it gives austria more power and more right to fight the ottomans aka the turks to regain control of hungary and keep all of the turks out of europe like that's their goal and I don't know why Austria is such, like, they seem to be the forerunner for this. My guess is just because that's the way the Ottoman Empire was moving. Mm -hmm. And also because all the other countries involved at this time are involved in other skirmishes elsewhere. So it's possible that Austria was just doing its best, trying to stay on the board and, and keep others out. It's a giant game of risk. That's what history is. Um, Yeah. So that being said, um, many Austrians were not about this, this war, the war ranging beginning in the year 1788. So this is like the eighth or ninth incursion event happening between the two empires. And the regular Austrian people are not happy. They feel betrayed because Emperor Joseph II promised enlightenment and he brought them war instead. Um, 
food prices almost doubled around Austria for the first time in Austrian history. I think this is worth noting, though it has nothing to do with this particular story. For the first time in Austrian history, bakeries had been looted. <sighs> so now we go all the way back to the pastry war. Sir Monsieur Remontel. <laughs> exactly. All the way back to the pastry wars. So, like I said, the, the regular Austrian folk are not happy that we're fighting another war with the Ottoman Empire. But here we are. So, in Emperor Joseph's mind, by 1788, he feels like we've lost enough, we've been through enough, I'm going to meet the Ottomans in their territory, and I'm going to lead the army myself. So he sets out on an adventure to meet the Ottomans at the Timis River, okay. is at least his plan. So Karanzabiz is a city, like a village city, um near the Timis rivers there's there's you know there's cities that line all rivers but for whatever reason in his mind going to Karanzabiz was the place to have this full frontal force and meet the Ottoman Empire now <laughs> the Ottoman Empire unfortunately I do not know the um the number of troops the Ottoman Empire had what I do know is the Austrians had no less than 80,000 troops. Okay. I, w I would have to think the Ottoman was pretty similar to that, but I don't, I unfortunately don't have that information and I couldn't find it anywhere. However, Selim III is the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire and leading his army, please God help me with this, is Sadar Ekrim. Koka Yusuf Pasa, and he is the vizier who acts as the commander-in-chief during war. So, like, I get the vibe that Salim is not directly involved in this particular conflict, just the vizier. All right. So, um, it seems to me that he has a little bit more trust in his own guy's competency than Emperor Joseph does. <laughs> but I digress. So, early September... Of 1788, the Austrian Empire works its way into modern-day Romania, this area of Karanzabes. They are exhausted. They're demoralized. They're, at least half the army is disease-ridden, be it dysentery or anything else you can get in war. They are they're hungry. They're not happy. They're not having a good day, right? So they build camp along the Timis River... And Emperor Joseph sets in his tent with the, the rest of the generals plotting what to do next. Like, we want to meet them as far into their lands as we can make it today and then just push them out. Like, that's the goal. Um, so he's sitting in his tents. He's plotting away with his generals. In the meantime, someone sends a contingent of Hussars. Aren't they the German... The, the German mercenary troop kind of deals? They are the light cavalry. Okay. So this is what I this is what I had to uh Webster dictionary. All right. Because I had an image well, I was in thinking my mind. Hessians. Oh, okay. Okay, sorry. I had an image in my mind of what Hussar looked like. And I was kind of close, but also I didn't realize that the the Austrian 
like I don't want to say they invented the light cavalry, right? Because that's existed throughout time immemorial. But in European culture, the Austrian hussars were like the BA. We don't want to mess with these guys. Like they're the best. They wear the best clothes. They have this shiny cape. They're all ruggedly handsome. That is a direct requirement. So if you are not ruggedly handsome, get off that high horse. You're out. Right. You can't wear this uniform. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, you have to be ruggedly handsome is my understanding. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a form that you fill out where you have to check the box. Yes, I'm ruggedly handsome. Yes, I can wear this uniform. Also, I'm a badass horse soldier. So pick me, pick me. However, today was not their day. So at this point, the Austrian army is filled with soldiers that do not have a common language. We have Croats, Italians, Serbs, Slavics, along with Austrians, some Germans, some... It's a mix. Like, there is no one communicative language amongst this group. So. But could you imagine the potlucks? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would be delighted to attend a potluck. I don't need to know what what you're telling me. Just bring me the food. (laughs) And the costumes, I'm just saying. So, as I said before, the the Hussars are commanded to cross the river. And their goal when crossing this bridge, crossing the river, is to scout any Ottoman troops. Because they believe, like the, the Austrians believe, the Ottomans are not far from here. Earlier, I had mentioned that the Emperor Joseph sends the Hussars out as scouts to... They're 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 hunting Ottomans, as it were. So they cross the bridge, they cross the river Timis, they do a bit of scouting when <clears throat> they do not find Turkish people. What they find is a lovely group of gypsies, very friendly, called I love this word so much. They're called the Vlak Roma. About to say, because I, I feel like the word gypsy in and of itself is problematic language that it's really the Romani people and gypsies been used as a slur against them. I think that you are right. And I, that's why I was so excited to have found what this particular people group actually called themselves. Okay. And they're the Vlak Roma. So they meet this group of Hussar light cavalry horse mounted soldiers. And they're like, Oh, well we're quite friendly and we're not about, they're just living their lives. They're not trying to be in the middle of anybody's business. But what they do have is schnapps. I am down for this. Right? Potentially even one of my sources said even women. So the Vlock Roma kindly sell their booze and potentially their women to this contingent of hussars who are, like I said, demoralized. They're hungry. They're tired. They're They're probably looking for a good time at this point. So... The Hussars then take their opportunity to completely schnockered. Schnockered on schnapps. In fact, they take it to the max. Um, another what? group. You're saying that soldiers might overindulge? They may have. They may have. And no, no burritos were used as bribery at all. They, they just purchased the alcohol and went about their day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even think burritos were a thing in their mind at this moment, actually. (laughs) So they're like living their best life across the river with the main contingent of camp set up on the other side. They're doing great. When all of a sudden another unit shows up, possibly of Romanian descent, I'm 
unclear because everything from here on out is unclear. Um, they see that the cavalry has literally fallen off the wagon. <laughs> and does what any good soldier would do, asks to share the booze. The Hussars are like, um, no, thank you very much. These are ours. We don't wish to share. Go away. The other unit is like, come on, man. Just, you know, we've had we've had a rough two. Leave us to go. And the Hussars are going to know. And they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. A fight breaks out. Wait, can at I also just point, say at this point, like, so at one point, my grandfather in his military career, I'm hijacking this. Um, he... <laughs> was sent to the Defense Institute in Monterey and taught Bulgarian. And he went to his grave not explaining any of the reasons to why. Um, <laughs> I which, love that. Which made it like, what did you do during the war grants? Um, I love that. But anyhow, like when I had said, well, do you speak any Bulgarian now? And he goes, no, it's all gone. But I can ask for a beer in 16 different languages. So these are the, thing, the important things, you know? When you're saying that these troops couldn't communicate, but they clearly were trying to get booze, this all checks. Doesn't it? When I read the story to get, so this story was brought to you by my husband because he knows how much I love a good military blunder. They're kind of one of my favorite things. And when I read that, I was like, well, I don't think they probably, probably didn't speak a common language except for they know how to say booze. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and no, thank you. <laughs> and um, I don't know if no thank you is the direct translation. I'm going to assume it's not, but we're gonna run we're gonna run okay. with that. All right. I'm fair. sure there's a lot of other words we could incorporate in into <laughs> Yeah, th- that it come to the same understanding. Yes, they've come to the understanding that the Hussars do not want to share with this other unit. A fight breaks out. At one point. It is believed that one of the Roman soldiers, or excuse me, Romanian soldiers, hoping to scare the Hussars into sharing, shouts, Turkey, Turkey. Which everyone now knows at this point, the only commonality is we know that that means the Turks. Yeah, and not the giant bird. And not the giant bird, no. Um... I don't know that particularly startled all of the hussars because they're plastered, right? Except for in the fray of all of this, with the yelling and the fighting and all of that between the two units, one soldier is startled and he accidentally fires his gun. Okay. As this all is... battles break out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I understand how this one's going. Right. The Hussars at this point now think that the other unit is Ottoman and they are in the disguise of of Austrian soldiers. They panic. They try to cross back over to the bridge when an Austrian officer figures out what's going on and yells, halt, halt. However, most of these soldiers don't speak his language. So they thought that the officer was yelling, Allah, Allah. So close. So close. Those sound so similar. (laughs) Don't they? I feel like that hard T at the end of halt should have done something for them, but it didn't. But you know, when you're yelling, like this is, okay, so if you're picking a dog's name, you want two syllables and you want the second syllable to end in a vowel because if it ends in like 
a, a consonant, you, it's going to be hard to yell and to have that carry a decent distance. Or at least this is how something was explained to me. And it could just be that they didn't want to name the dog after what I wanted to name it. Um, <laughs> and that was the explanation. Possibly, yeah. So, may- yeah, maybe that's what it is. But long story short there, um, chaos ensues. A commander who sees what's going on from a di- like a far distance sees what's happening and he orders cannons to be fired because he now believes this is in fact a skirmish with the Turks. Like oh, okay. a, a contingent of Turks has crossed and they are now picking a fight with my hussars across the street. At least they're thinking that it's the Turks and it's not like, you know what's going to calm this down? Cannons. <laughs> Cannon. Like Cannons Everybody is time. just going what i could do to to de-escalate this i'm gonna scream the enemy's name you know what i'm gonna do de-escalate i'm gonna yell alt (laughs) yeah i mean that that actually makes sense you know kindergarten you know you'd be like stop just just knock it off you know like everybody you know quit it stop it you're all snockered anyway right yeah so at this point they're all drunken children right um so after the cannons fire, there you know you've got the cannon fodder, the cannon smoke, all of that. The Austrian army officially engages in battle and fights with great valor against themselves. Against themselves, yeah. <laughs> so they both win and lose. Emperor Joseph himself joins the fray. He gets unhorsed and is able to crawl away. Eventually, they order a retreat and they leave their imaginary foe behind. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is this is up there. The next two lines are probably my favorite lines from the entire story. The Ottomans show up two days later. And they are given quite possibly the easiest victory ever from militaryhistory.com has the said the results were a self-inflicted defeat leading to the Ottoman victory. You know, they're already, they're, they're, I mean, maybe still hung over. Oh, I'm sure of it. You know, and deeply ashamed and humiliated. Mm-hmm. Emperor Joseph himself is crawling through the muck and the mud, right? You know, that is a, so how did you find the head of the other army? He crawled towards me covered in gook. Like I had to wipe his face like a child to make sure that this was the one we were looking for. Yeah. Um, fortunately, he did not crawl into the arms of the enemy. The I, I get this when I read the story. I have this image of like the Ottoman Empire. Like I think, first of all, I think I might have a crush on the Ottomans. So there's that. Um, but I have this image of them like rolling up in all their finery with like, you know, they're soldiers and these great men of valor and being like, huh, what the hell happened here? Right. Yeah. All right, then. And they just like move along. Right. Like that's what that's basically what happens. They regain or they they hold Karanzabis. Emperor Joseph and his troops go home and nobody speaks of it for four years. The losses. The amount of personnel loss varies depending on who you ask, but at least 150 men with perhaps 1,200 wounded, possibly 500 missing men with officers who all, most of them did return to duty. 
Wait, wait. So up to 500 men just pieced out. Yes. Forget this. These are probably the schnockered ones. <laughs> we're like, oh. Crawled into so a bush because they were so drunk. <laughs> yep. How? I don't even know how to. Like when you wake up that next morning and you're trying to like, where's my debit card? Where's my ID? How did I get home? Where is my left shoe? Yeah. Oh, I had $500 in that sock. Yeah. I've got questions about how you just immediately went to having $500 in a sock. You need to know how I know this? <laughs> okay. So years ago, my sister, years and years ago, worked for a bar in a golf course, at a golf course. And her boss was this just very over-the-top, very eccentric individual. Very, very nice. Like, you couldn't you couldn't ask for, like, a greater guy. And um, I don't remember where they were going, but he said he was going to go out on the town for the night. And I think she may have been in the room with him as he was getting ready to leave. I don't remember exactly how she came to this understanding, but he, she watched him roll up or, like, flatten out $300 in cash and put it in his left sock. And he told her that he knew it would be a good night tonight if he returned tomorrow morning not knowing where that 300 bucks went. That was his way wow. of judging how great his night was. Wow. <laughs> so there's that. So I assume this is a common thing. I, I don't know. That maybe. is that is such a YOLO move. Right? Like, I'm just going to go have a good time. I'm going to assume my time was great if I don't have any cash left in my sock. Yeah, or that the elastic is dead on that sock. It could be a multitude of things. I don't know. I have a pair of boots with a pocket in them, so. What? Oh, yeah. They're amazing. You can fit your house keys, an ATM card, 300 bucks in cash. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Like, first off, here I am thinking that, you know, a dress with pockets would be nice, but you've got, like, shoes with pockets? Shoes with pockets, yep. Because I love dresses with pockets. Ian was like, well, this obviously equates to all clothing options we need to find her a pair of boots with pockets now what kind of boots like do they look kind of like they're the cargo shorts of boots what are we playing with no they're like um i would love to show you my foot right now because i'm not wearing them they're very similar they're like um <laughs> okay okay so they, okay. they're kind of like riding boots kind of like riding boots but they go like a, probably more lower calf than mid calf like okay. they're a little bit shorter than these and on the side of where the zipper is just like an inch in from that is another smaller zipper. It looks like it's part of the shoe. I would argue it is part of the shoe, a very vital part of the shoe, the part of the shoe Indeed. with actual pocket. Like, Indeed. My mind is blown. Okay, sorry. I know we started talking about a military <laughs> blunder, and then I am now completely down a different rabbit hole. I'll send you the link to the shoes if I can find them. They're amazing. Wow. I know. This is how much this man loves me. I'm going to buy her boots with pockets. Okay, so we got we got to go all the way back to the actual <laughs> story because I don't know how to make a, a, a brilliant segue. You don't know where to go with that. Um... No, I mean, I just got to pull the e-brake on this one and then, you know, spend Flip some around. time on Etsy after this. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, enjoy your shopping. Most of the officers that went missing and the 500 other soldiers, most of them did return to duty. There is one source that suggests that they know that this battle happened because there was like a 
perhaps a nunnery or a monastery near the village where they treated some of the wounded. Okay, so I couldn't, I can't refine that source, and it was such an obscure little fact, but it it does, at least in my eyes, make it seem like something happened. Like, I think it gives credence to, to the story, and the fact that the only people cared for at the time in the monastery were Austrian <laughs> soldiers. Yeah. Um, there were no Ottomans involved, also speaks to that that happened um the other things that went missing the other losses that the austrian army took in this were three cannons they wait they lost them they lost three cannons i not sure how maybe maybe they should be heavier maybe that would help them from you know walking off yeah i suppose um and the chest that was holding the army's payroll well, that yeah that checks doesn't it um so as i was reading that fun fact out to the story a thought hit me and i conferred it with the husband and he 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 agrees could it be possible that our friendly neighborhood vlock roma oh i like this theory sold the booze with the intent to kind of just destabilize the the soldiers for a little while uh, and they took it a little too far and just fought themselves. Easiest defeat in Ottoman history. I mean, makes sense to me. And see here, I thought you were going to say they took off with the, that the Romani took off with the payroll chest. I want to believe the they cannons. did. I want to believe they did. Because like, look, if I, I'm just saying, if I was out there in my beautiful little wagon, you know, like they had all oh, painted up. gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm, I'm selling, I'm selling soldiers these booze. And then all of a the sudden... These boos or these boobs? Boos. But I mean, maybe boobs too. <laughs> I mean, you be. said the women. So, I mean, yeah, it could, little yeah, column it A, been. little column B. Yeah. Um, and I see this fight break out. And like, so I roll up shop on my little caravan and I push myself f- further into the woods. I might wait for the battle to end and see what's left to take, right? Like, you don't know. It's possible. I like the idea that the Ottomans were just disguised as the Vak Roma and they did this to themselves. Well, <laughs> like, or they did all... it to the other guy. Yeah, okay, so I, I see what you're saying about... I feel like the the Black Roma, I feel like they just... They were really there and not, not in disguise. Otherwise, that would be an incredible move. Like, that's a long game. Because you're an army right. and you're marching with an entire disguise wagon train women children like that does that doesn't seem like something you would march into war with like i like the concept i just i don't know well so the reason it came to my mind is because i thought at this point the ottomans have been fighting the austrians for over 200 years so they are like in it for the long game right they have already suffered at least two defeat in sieges so at this point, I, as a commander, would be looking for different ways than a full frontal assault to try to take out the opposing army. True. Do I think that actually happened? Like, probably it was just divine coincidence that the Walk Roma were there with their booze in the first place. Like, but the idea that it was planned makes me, like, I want that to be what actually happened. <laughs> Yeah. That would be hilarious. I want I want to hear the other side. And and for the Ottomans to just roll in two days later and be like, well, this worked really well. Great. 
<laughs> the Ottomans are just great at dressing and drag, and so they staged all of it. I mean, it's it's a thing. Um, <clears throat> the final tidbit of information that I have is that by World War One, they found themselves as allies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Like, oh, you know, we've only been fighting about this for I don't know eons. Yeah. You know what? Actually, enemy of my enemy is my friend. Kind of. Thing. I mean, look at World War One and Two. You have. French and English soldiers. Right. Like, it makes sense. It's it's just so funny to me that, just like the French and the English, right? They've, they've been fighting each other for the last thousand years. But to think that, like, all of the sudden, I guess we can be allies now. And we're not going to mention that little battle at Karanza Beats. It didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. We didn't even fight you there. You just, you just happened <laughs> to roll up afterward. Yeah, I mean, it was a training exercise. My men did great. They were, we were putting them through a high stress activity and seeing how they responded. Beautifully. They responded beautifully in their hungover or still drunken state, depending on how long the skirmish actually took place. That's my story, and it makes me so happy. And now that I've shared my story, I can get the song that I've been singing since I started doing this out of my head. Which is what? Horse Soldier, Horse Soldier. <laughs> what? It's a great song. Um, I'll send you the link to it. I'm going to get you the name of the artist because he has such a haunting voice. It is... His name is Seth Staten Watkins. Okay. Um, I believe the song was originally done by a man named Corb Corb Lund, but I really like this this Seth Staten Watkins voice is amazing, and this this horse soldier horse soldier song is all is a like a beautiful like I'm proud to be of the of the the horse warrior clan. So he talks about all the horse soldiers, like the Sioux and the Hussars, and he rode with the Great Khan and all these like all these cool characters that you hear throughout oh, okay, history. Okay, okay. But there's a line in there where he talks about being a Hussar, and it has literally been stuck in my head for weeks. So wow. I'm hoping that since I don't have to, I don't have to legitimately think about saying the word hussar for a while (laughs) that you can just let it slowly dwindle away from your brain yes i'm down for that i'm gonna be haunted i'm gonna be haunted but yeah so that that's my my military blunder of the week the battle of kranzby's where the austrian army fought themselves and lost and the ottomans won they won (laughs) they won they fought themselves one side had to win it was they sure did (laughs) it was the ottomans who rolled up after they won that hard-fought fight that they had a secondary loss i just i get this image of the ottomans like close enough to hear the problem and just like sitting back in their tents and waiting for the for the smoke to settle (laughs) yeah they're like you know i'm just gonna sit here a bit right yeah <laughs> Whatever's happening, I don't know if we should be a part of that. That that sounds like they're up against another formidable enemy. We're good. We'll we'll wait it out right here. We'll we'll hit him next. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's like that scene in the Three Musketeers with um Kevin Sutherland and uh, oh what is his name, Chris O'Donnell, 
when yep. he's like, I'll fight you at noon, I'll fight you at one, I'll fight you at three. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. Yes. I love that scene. <laughs> and That's Tim exactly Curry plays an incredible oh. villain. Is there really anything Tim Curry wasn't incredible? I mean, if we're being honest. I don't think you're wrong. I was scared of him as a young child because that was like well, the Cardinal, peak yeah. villain, villain era that he had. And I just, as soon as I saw him on screen, it was, well, this is going to go poorly. Yeah, we're not going to win this one. That's for sure. Thanks, Tim Curry. Thanks a bunch. Yeah. I was scared of him until until I saw his sweet transvestite performance, in which case then I was like, oh, I still haven't seen that. And it, it's been because like, I feel like you need to be a part of an experience. Like you don't watch it by yourself. Like you need to be a part of like a group of people who are already indoctrinated into that cult of. Okay. So I was, I, I was a live Halloween performance that we did for one of the theaters I worked for in high school. And it was like a, I don't want to say it was a talent show, but it was like a variety show. Okay. So, um, and I, I want to say it was like a, not a gala event, but like a charity event. So right. your your ticket got you into these performances, but the tickets were they were more costly than they normally would be. But you came to see your favorite per- local performers do their favorite Halloween type sketches. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first time I saw that, and then I, of course I had to go get the full experience. Okay, see that checks, and it's just every time. Like there's been a, we're doing, you know, we're showing this. It's like, ah, uh, I don't know if I can go that day. And then the times I'm like, oh, I should probably, you know, invest in, you know, understanding this phenomenon. It's like, <laughs> oh, there's nothing happening. It's like, ah. Oh, that's sad. I'll watch it with you. Okay. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's I just need. I just need somebody to support me. Yeah, it's, it's good fun. And you'll have that song stuck in your head for all of eternity too. So there's that. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. What are you going to do? And then Tim Curry won't be scary anymore. <laughs> you say that. And I feel like we're just asking the universe to hand us another opportunity for him to become nightmare fuel. No, I mean, I fully believe that he has the capability of becoming nightmare fuel. But what I mean by then he won't be scary anymore is that when you see him as nightmare fuel, you appreciate it. And instead of being like, oh, my God, Cardinal Richelieu is the worst. It's going to be like, Haha, well played, well played. <laughs> yeah, fair. That's how I feel about it. Dude, we've gone on some really bizarre rabbit trails on this one. And I didn't even think that was going to be a thing. Like, I, I'm going to say when I woke up this morning telling you about my friends sticking $300 in their sock was not going to be a, a story I told today. That's fair. That's fair. I I think I, I have a feeling there's a whole treasure trove of stories that either one of us didn't think we would end up sharing today. And yet here we are. <laughs> living our best storytelling lives indeed well if you have enjoyed this episode of storytelling lives and how it (laughs) intertwines with history and drunken exploits and you're thinking golly gee willikers i just can't get enough of these people and their overused 1950s slang then hit (laughs) us up like Review, subscribe, share us with friends, make your grandmother compulsively listen to us. We're the bee's knees. Aren't I mean what I said the other day, I was in a work meeting and I said the word bully. There oh so and this this office is having a bully week. And I I stopped and went, Why thank you 
<laughs> Roosevelt for that one. <laughs> I will see myself out now. <laughs> goodness grief. I just used bully like it was a modern phrase. Well, you know, you got to bring back the good ones. I don't know if bully's it, though. No, I think there's some better ones. Yeah. I mean, um, I should schnockered. So there's that. I mean, I feel like that one still gets played, so that's good. But anyhow, if you want to, like, write us and tell us, you know, what 50 slang terms that we missed <laughs> that are better than what we've presented, you can do so because, you know, we've got nothing better to do with our time. So you can hit us up at uh, unhinged.historypod at gmail.com and we'll read it. We'll read we it to emails. each other's. And if it's really good, we might even, like, read it out loud on the air stop that you big silly i know <laughs> i'm just a tease um <laughs> but on that note goodbye bye